And what's going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Jim Bratton podcast. And, you know, I was sort of going back and forth in my head as it relates to this issue that I'm going to be talking about today because I hate how this particular issue of this merger between the PGA Tour and the Live Golf League has become such a politically divisive issue, lack of a better phrase. I've always been of the mindset that sports and politics need to be completely separate, but at the end of the day, even with that being said, it is always sort of a big deal when two large corporations marriage like this. I mean, we've seen that all throughout the course of history when you're talking, not just in the quote-unquote real world, which sports is, the world of sports is very much the real world in a lot of ways, but we haven't just seen this in sports before, but we see it in the world of business all the time. It happens all of the time. And when two major leagues merge like this, it is really a big deal and it is really something that needs to be addressed. And I will get into some of the examples of those particular mergers that we've seen throughout history over the last several years, a little bit later on when we get into my take on this particular merger between the PGA Tour and Live. But... And another thing I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to be as neutral as I can when I'm talking about this, lack of a better phrase, just just because of how much I hate that this has become a politically divisive issue, as I've just mentioned. So I'm just going to run down the facts, what we all have seen from this merger and the news that has come out about it over the course of the past 24, 48 hours or so, and just give some, some of my general feelings on this particular issue. And so let's get right into it, shall we? Uh, For those of you who have been living under a rock for the course of the last 48 hours, you may or may not have heard about the shockwaves that were sent throughout the sports world where the PGA Tour and the Live Golf League 
have announced a merger after they had been, and also the DP World Tour, whatever that is, I honestly had no idea what the DP World Tour is, was until 48 hours ago when this was announced, if I'm being quite honest. I had no clue. But I'm very much aware of what the PGA Tour is and the Live Golf Tour is. It's been the main elephant in the room in the golf world over the course of the last two years. And there's been a bit of an intense legal battle going on between the PGA Tour and Live. And, of course, with these two sides now merging, that, of course, means that all legal efforts on either side and all litigation has now ceased, effectively. And, of course, everybody, in, everybody involved in this situation on both sides is, of course, really giddy at the matter, and of course they're going to put out all of their fluff pieces and whatnot and blah blah blah. The The players are certainly not happy about this on the PGA side of things in particular. I'll get to some of the players' thoughts on the issues at hand a little bit here in just a minute. But Jay Monahan, who is the commissioner of the PGA Tour, of course, this is where a lot of the giddiness comes into play. He, of course, put out his statement a couple of days ago after this news broke. And... I guess I'm going to read a little bit from that statement to you guys in the listening and viewing audience of the Jim Bratton podcast right now. Jay Monahan said, quote, What we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf and to do so under one umbrella. That umbrella, of course, being Live and the PGA Tour and DP, obviously. Jay Monahan went on to say, quote, We've recognized that together we can have a far greater impact on this game than we can working apart. The game of golf is better for what we've done here today, end of quote, and this is what, and I sort of hate that, again, I I really just hate how political this has become, because here's where the 
political issues come into play here. Jay Monahan apparently went before the Congress of the United States last year and talked about how the idea of live sort of interfering with the PGA Tour was basically not good for the game of golf and would infringe on the PGA Tour's model of business and blah, blah, blah. And now, of course, he's sort of backtracking all of those words that he said to Congress. And, of course, we've had numerous politicians weighing in on this, I'm certain, from both sides of the aisle on the Live Golf and PGA Tour merger. I will, of course, be getting into Jay Monahan sort of being a hypocrite a little bit more in detail here in a second. But I want to come back to what the players have said on this issue. Uh, of course, many of the PGA Tour players are really ticked off at this. I mean, I saw Colin Morikawa tweet that basically he hated finding out about this on Twitter the morning of. This was... Really, sort of a shock, as I've mentioned before, to everybody because of all of the litigation that's been going on between the two sides. But a lot of PGA Tour guys are pretty ticked off at this. The Live Tour guys are, I guess, kind of eh, indifferent, but mainly based on how much money they got from the live tour. I mean, we're talking about guys getting paid in the nine-figure range to play golf on the live tour. And so, that is, of course, why many of the notable players from the PGA Tour, namely Th Phil Mickelson, lefty in particular, uh, John and Brooks Kepka, of course, the most recent PGA champion uh, decided to quote-unquote jump ship for a while and join Liv. But coming back to Phil Mickelson for a second, he actually called it a awesome day for the sports world, or at least the golf world as far as that is concerned, as far as the merger between the two sides goes. Now, I, of course, I keep bringing up the political issues that are at play here. Here is where a lot of those come into play. The, for those of you who may not be aware... The Live Golf Tour 
is being is of course being funded primarily by the public by something called the Public Investment Fund, the PIF for short, which is, of course, controlled by the government of Saudi Arabia. And, of course, we've seen all of the issues that the Saudi Arabian government has been involved in over the course of the last few years in particular. I'm, I'm going to try to, to hashtag stick to sports, as they say, and not get too much into the nitty-gritty of the political issues, but we have all seen... Fact of the matter is, we have all seen from what's been going on in the news here lately, all of the issues that the Saudi government has been involved in. And, of course, the one thing I will, I will and probably should point out, because this is where Jay Monahan being a hypocrite comes back into play. Uh, Jay Monahan, of course, has said that it would be a very bad thing, basically, for the PGA Tour to get involved with another league that is backed financially by the Saudi Arabian government. And, of course, he is now one year later, very much getting involved with a sports league that is backed by the Saudi Arabian government. Uh, J Jay Monahan, hypocrite. But here's where my take on the issue comes into play and Again, I'm mainly, I know I keep saying this because I hate these politically divisive issues, as I've just said plenty of times, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to keep reiterating this because it is a very important point to make. This is kind of a big deal when you're talking about mergers between sports leagues. Uh, what is my take on this, you might be asking. Well, this, this has been something that has probably been coming for a while now, mainly because I could not see a situation where having two rival golf tours was sustainable financially and otherwise, especially when you're talking about players that are competing on both tours, sort of 
crossing over, if you will. I mentioned Brooks Kepka, of course. The most recent PGA champion who had jumped ship and gone over to the Live Tour from the PGA. And I guess those guys will no longer have to deal with the ramifications of that because of the obvious merger that's taken place between the two. But this has probably been something that's been brewing for a while now. And the litigation between the two parties and the rivalry lack of a better word, that was involved was just not sustainable. And, of course, we've seen this, as I was sort of alluding to at the beginning of the show, we've seen this plenty of times in the course of history as it relates to sports leagues merging And a lot of you older, a lot of you people in the older generation, so to speak, uh, may remember the NFL actually merging with the, the AFL, the American Football League. And, of course, we've seen this with the National Hockey League. And another interesting aspect of this merger situation as well that we've seen throughout the course of time is you look at what's going on nowadays with college athletics, with not just teams jumping ship and going to other conferences. I'm thinking about the the fact that Oklahoma and Texas will be playing in the SEC next year. And also, when you look at USC and UCLA jumping ship from the Pac-12 and joining the Big Ten. And I believe that is coming up next year as well. And, of course, one of the things that I think is probably more than likely going to end up happening or just in the college ranks, you'll begin to see conferences, like whole conferences, begin to merge and form super conferences. And just staying with the world of college football, you know, we talk a lot about the Power Five and the Group of Five. Uh, I think that's going to go out the window in a few years. And it may very well be a situation where we end up seeing people talk about instead of the Power Five, it'll eventually be the Power Two or the Power Three. That's just where we are in the world of sports nowadays. And, of course, a lot of that, what does... How shall I say this? What has a lot to do with 
all of these mergers and all of these groups joining forces and whatnot, money, money, the almighty dollar, as they say, which is really what this whole thing is about because the fact of the matter is, and I sort of hate that I'm going back into the Saudi government for a second, but I'm going to do that because this is a very important point that needs to be made when you're talking about guys on the live tour being paid nine figures to play golf on the live tour. The whether whether anybody really likes it or not, and however they got this vast amount of money, it was it was from oil probably, but I digress. The Saudi Arabian government has just boatloads of money at their disposal. They're they're funding a sports league, for goodness sake. And money, of course, was definitely the deciding factor in, shall we say, Jay Monahan's hypocrisy, in my opinion. And, of course, coming back to Jay Monahan's hypocrisy. I mentioned what he said before the Congress of the United States and what he said on podcasts with Jim Nance and other things of that nature. And now you fast forward a year to where we are now with this merger and we suddenly come back to the basic question of is Jay Monahan a hypocrite? A- absolutely he is. Absolutely he is. But whether we all like it or not, the one thing that we all have to come back to is what made this deal possible? What is the bottom line of any business, not just sports, but really any business in the world today? Quite frankly, that's right. Money. And whether we like it or not, And this is where my effort to stay neutral in the whole live live tour and PGA tour merger comes into play. Whether we all like it or not, we just, as fans and as people really, have to accept this for what it is. I mean, the the vast majority of us myself included, obviously, uh, really had no say in this matter or the PGA Tour 
merging with Liv or who the Liv tour decides to get their get their funding from and do business with. But I guess the one bright spot here that we as fans of the game of golf can take into consideration are, are some of the more hopeful things that Jay Monahan has said over the course of the last 48 hours. And, of course, one of the things that I heard him say last night when I was listening to the radio and they were talking about this particular issue is that Jay Monahan basically came out and said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, we shouldn't really judge what's going on now as opposed to what we can judge coming out of this 10 years from now and the impact that this merger has on the game of golf on the world stage. And just from a pure golf fan's perspective, that is just really the one positive takeaway that I have coming out of this agreement. And as I've said before, whether we like it or not, this is just something that at the end of the day, we are really just going to have to live with. And we, some of us may have to grit our teeth and grin and bear it in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, it just, it is what it is as it relates to this PGA Tour and Live Golf Tour merger. Those are just what some of my thoughts are on this issue from a purely neutral perspective. But with all of that being said, that pretty much wraps up the... PGA Tour and Live Golf Tour merger portion of the show. The last thing I'm going to say before I get out of here is I guess I've got to touch on college baseball for a little bit because much to the chagrin of Vanderbilt Commodores fans, out there, more than anything, I say as I'm trying to find my notes on the college baseball tournament, if you guys will give me just a second... Uh, here we go. Now, wh where was I? Oh, yes. The 
chagrin of Vanderbilt Commodores fans. Of course, the reason why they are all upset is basically because the Tennessee Vols, the, the base Vols, as they call them, are advancing to the Super Regionals, and the Vanderbilt Commodores are very much not advancing to the Super Regionals. And, you know, there's been a lot of really anger from Vols fans because of who they, not really because of who they will be playing necessarily, but because of where they will be going to play the Super Regionals. They will be going to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to play the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss for the right to go to the Men's College World Series in Omaha. And I'm, of course, hearing Peyton Manning shouting Omaha in the back of my head as I say that. One of the things that makes me very excited as a Tennessee Vols fan. But, of course, the bulk of Vol Twitter, I would say, is basically mad because why, why are we having to go to Hattiesburg, Paul? We're better than Southern Miss. Why are we not playing them in Knoxville? And, I don't, of course, I don't really know too much about why the bracket lined up that way because although the one thing I will say is that you would think that they would be playing in Knoxville based on the fact that I believe Tennessee and Southern Miss were both seeded the same in their particular regions. They were both two seeds, I do believe, and based on resume, you would think that Tennessee, far and away, has the better resume than that of Southern Miss. But for whatever reason, the bracket did not shape it, shake out that way, and you know, much like the Live Golf and PGA Tour merger situation, we also have to look at the super regional situation and say to ourselves, it is what it is. But before I get out of here, just to touch on how Tennessee got to where they are in the super regionals, after coming out of the Clemson Regional in probably one of the more exciting baseball games that I've probably ever seen, which went into 14 innings. Of course, I have to give a big shout-out to that dude, Zayn Denton, for putting the ball really giving the Vols the lead, honestly, in the ninth inning 
and really forcing the game to go into extras. And on the other hand, it's going to be interesting to see where the pitching situation takes Tennessee in the Super Regionals. It's going to be interesting to see who they go with in Game 1. I would get my guess is that it is it may end up being Drew Beam. It is probably not going to be Chase Burns. I don't know when the next time we'll see him would be because I think Tony Vitello probably left Chase Burns in that Clemson game a little bit longer than he probably should have, but the baseball gods were bleeding orange the other night, apparently. That is t- Tennessee orange, of course, not the got not the gaudy orange of Clemson to paraphrase a line from Sandra Bullock in the blind side, but the baseball gods were obviously favoring Tennessee in that game and decided to look past Tony V's arguable lapse in judgment. Thankfully for Vols fans, that did not come back to bite Tony V and the Volunteers. But I do not know when the next time we will see Chase Burns will be. I would assume that they're probably going to go with Drew Beam in Game 1, which will, of course, set up uh, Chase Dolander to go in Game Number 2, the ace, so to speak. Super Regionals, of course, being a best-of-three series, and, of course, you would either... Ideally, want to save your ace for an elimination game or in the event that you do win game one and that, of course, sets you up to close out the series in game number two. But it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that dynamic plays out in Hattiesburg this weekend. I'm, of course, going to be very interested in watching that. I'm especially going to be very interested in watching Game 4 of the NBA Finals tomorrow night. And, of course, the for those of you who have not been keeping up with the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets now, of course, have a 2-1 to series lead over the Miami Heat as we move into Game 4 tomorrow, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the Heat have in store in the game plan as it relates to the defensive end of the floor, because in Game 3, 
both Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic both finished game three with triple doubles. I'm going to reemphasize that. The Denver Nuggets had two guys, two guys, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic finish with triple doubles. That is phenomenal, and it's going to be very interesting to see what Coach Spo and the Heat culture of the Miami Heat can put into practice in Game 4 tomorrow night. So, we of course have that to look forward to. We also have the Stanley Cup final that is going on, and it's looking like Vegas is going to run away with it, but much to the chagrin of me, because I'm not the biggest fan of the Vegas Golden Knights, necessarily, based on things that I've said on this show before. If you did not happen to catch that episode, I highly encourage you to go back and sort of absorb everything that I have to say about my anger of the Vegas Golden Knights. Ugh. Vegas. Second time in six years, they're they're back in this spot, and it looks like they're going to run away with the Stanley Cup final as of right now. Unbelievable. Preds Preds have only been once in 24, 25 years, and Vegas has been to two in the last six, and sort of sickens me in a lot of ways to say that, but I digress. Having said that, a lot of things to look forward to, certainly, in the sports world, and I will, of course, very much be looking forward to bringing all of that information to you in the days and weeks ahead. But with all of that being said for today, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I want to thank you all so much for watching and listening to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast, and I will see you guys very soon.